Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Well, gold is down this morning, and the yellow metal is on track for its biggest weekly fall since August, primarily due to dollar strength. The greenback rose toward 16-month highs after the Federal Reserve appears to be committed to its tight monetary policy. Following its two-day FOMC meeting, the U.S. Central Bank left interest rates unchanged. That was no surprise. In its post-meeting statement, the Fed reiterated its expectations to continue down the path of gradual tightening. And this won't come as any shock either. The Federal Reserve still is optimistic about the health of the U.S. economy. It said, quote, the labor market has continued to strengthen and that economic activity has been rising at a strong rate. They didn't mention all of the warning signs we're seeing in the housing market or the twin deficits in the budget and trade. But of course, nobody in the mainstream is talking about this thing. So I guess it makes sense that they wouldn't either. Well, we managed to get through the latest incarnation of the most important election of our lifetime. The vaunted blue wave turned out to be more of a blue ripple. The Democrats took control of the House, but the Republicans not only maintained their edge in the Senate, they actually picked up a few seats. It's interesting listening to the rhetoric. Both sides are spinning this as a win. Now, I don't do partisan politics, so... I don't really care all that much, but from my point of view, the Democrats should probably be concerned. The out party almost always picks up seats in midterm elections. This time around, the Democrats didn't even pick up as many seats as the GOP did in the 2010 midterms with that whole Tea Party thing. The pickups this time around were actually on the low side of the historical average. And the fact that the Republicans actually picked up seats in the Senate This is hardly the big blue tsunami we were told was coming. Anyway, when I saw the results, my first thought was that this is a pretty good outcome. Because you know what? I smell gridlock. And if you want small government, and I do, gridlock is your best friend. Now, I think what will happen is the House is going to go way left. It's going to pass all kinds of stuff, and then the Senate's going to block it. Remember how when the Republicans controlled Congress and they kept repealing Obamacare and how Obama blocked it every time? Like that. The Democrats can pretty much do whatever they want for the purpose of political posturing. Their base is going to love it, but nothing is really going to change. So that was my first thought. Yay, gridlock. But then I started thinking about it and my optimism faded a little bit because despite all of the rhetoric, the difference between the two parties is really only about six inches I mean, they agree on all the bad stuff. They'll agree to find new ways to spy on us. They'll agree on finding new people to bomb. And they'll agree on spending billions of dollars. Now, yeah, they're going to fight over it in front of the cameras. But at the end of the day, the money's going to get spent. I mean, you can forget having any kind of budget, right? Not that we've had any budget in years. But if you're going to see, what you're going to see is a bunch of continuing resolutions, spending resolutions, and the House and the Senate will have to compromise, which means everybody's going to get pretty much whatever spending they want. We're also probably going to get a government shutdown or two. They'll fight over funding for a wall or something silly. Now, I enjoy a good government shutdown. But again, it's all political posturing. The money is still going to get spent. 
At the end of the day, this is going to mean more debt and bigger deficits, and that's bad. Saying that's bad is really quite an understatement, especially considering we're already seeing these huge deficits. The U.S. government closed out fiscal 2018 with its largest federal budget deficit since 2012. Uncle Sam ended 2018 $779 billion in the red, adding to the already ballooning national debt. Although the economy is supposedly enjoying a boom right now, the U.S. government is borrowing more like we're in the midst of a deep recession. Long-term U.S. debt sales have risen to a level not seen since the height of the financial crisis. We've written extensively on the rising levels of debt along with increasing interest rates, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. The current situation simply isn't sustainable, but the new Congress almost certainly won't do anything about it, and it's probably going to make things worse. Peter Schiff had an interesting take on all of this in his podcast this week. He said he thinks Trump will actually work with House Democrats to pass some kind of economic stimulus in 2019 as the economy begins to slow down. He said he thinks the next fiscal stimulus is going to be more of a spending stimulus, an infrastructure plan, just more money spent to kind of prime the pump, Keynesian style. Now, this would not be out of character for the president. Remember, he talked about an infrastructure plan during his campaign. He certainly wouldn't have much trouble convincing Democrats infrastructure spending is a good idea. The Republican-controlled Senate might even go along. I mean, it's going to be a tougher sell, but I think Trump probably raised his stock among Republicans with these election results. He'll probably have a little bit more pull than he did during his first two years. I can see Trump trying to do this. He loves to position himself as the deal maker. It would look really good to be the guy reaching across the aisle and getting something done. And despite all of the rhetoric out there, Trump really isn't all that conservative. As my friend and historian Brian McClanahan said in his podcast this week, Trump is really a mid-20th century Democrat in the vein of Franklin Roosevelt. He wants government to stimulate the economy and help business. It's kind of funny when you think about it. It shows how much the Democratic Party has changed. Roosevelt probably couldn't get elected in the modern Democratic Party. Anyway, Peter went on to say we may even get some some targeted tax cuts to benefit certain groups, like, say, the middle class. Maybe one of those deals where people get a rebate on their taxes or even direct check to their pocket. But they won't be broad-based, and they won't likely impact the broader economy. As Peter put it, these tax cuts won't even create the appearance of growing the economy. They're simply going to grow the debt and lead to higher inflation. It's going to feed the stagflationary fire that will be burning. This is going to be negative for the dollar. This is going to be positive for gold. This is going to be very positive for investments outside of the United States, according to Peter. Now, I'm not convinced the Democrats will work with Trump, though. I can see him trying, but the level, of, the level of vitriol is so high right now, I'm not sure how the Dems can publicly concede anything to Trump. I mean, they painted him as the, like the worst person in human history. He's literally a Nazi. I could see Trump proposing things Democrats should love and then finding reasons to oppose these things just because, well, Trump. When it comes to economic issues, I really think gridlock is the more likely scenario. I guess we'll see how, how all of this plays out, but there's no doubt in my mind that the spending is going to keep going up, the government is going to keep getting bigger, and when it comes to your liberties, the, quote, divided government will find ways to come together to take more of them away. Bipartisanship pretty much means you and I are getting screwed. 
I wanted to touch on one other thing that uh, was interesting this week in the news. The Russians have an alternative money transfer system up and running, and according to a report in RT, it has now surpassed SWIFT in popularity in that country. SWIFT is the major avenue for transactions worldwide. This is part of the broader effort by countries like Russia and China to limit their dependence on the U.S. dollar and set up alternative financial channels outside the global dollar system. According to the Central Bank of Russia, over 400 Russian companies and government organizations have already joined this system. And according to Russian officials, they are holding talks with China, Iran, Turkey, and other countries about linking their systems together. So, it appears the Russians could be developing a viable alternative to SWIFT. That could be really bad news for the U.S. dollar dominance. Other countries are tired of the U.S. using the dollar as a weapon, and it looks like efforts to undermine the greenback as the world reserve currency are gaining steam. I'm going to link to an article in the show notes page with more information on all of this. Central banks around the world are buying gold to diversify their holdings and limit their exposure to the U.S. dollar. That's not a bad strategy for individual investors either. To learn more, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You may notice there's a little bit of echo in the sound. That's because I'm actually recording this down in Florida at my mom's, and it's a really echoey room. But you're getting Shift Gold news even when I'm on vacation. You can find more information and keep up with all of the latest news on precious metals and the economy at shiftgold.com news. You can subscribe to the podcast over at iTunes or on our YouTube channel. There are going to be links on the show notes page. And if you're listening on YouTube right now, make sure you leave us comments and tell us what you think about what's going on in the world of economics, politics, and precious metals. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.